Welcome to the Change Lives, Changing Lives podcast, a ministry of Locust Hill Baptist Church in Travelers Rest, South Carolina. My name is Michael Hodge, Senior Pastor at Locust Hill. At Locust Hill, we celebrate the change that God alone could bring in our lives, and we also recognize the calling to share that good news with others. Lives changed by Christ, changing lives by Christ. We welcome you to this podcast where we want to equip you to live in the reality of a life changed by Christ. Disciple making is at the core of a church's calling, and we want to take advantage of every resource we can to encourage you today. We invite you to join us for a service Sundays at 10.15 a.m., Wednesdays 6.30 p.m. Our church is located at 5534 Locust Hill Road in Travelers Rest, South Carolina. Our website is locusthillchurch.org. Thank you for joining us today. Let us know how we can encourage you. Well, we welcome you to another opportunity to join our Locust Hill staff as we kick off the day together. Whether you're listening at home, in your car, or on your headphones while you're supposed to be working, we're just glad you chose to join us. So these episodes feature Gentle and Lowly, the book by Dane Ortland. Books available on Amazon, or you can purchase it directly from crossway.org. We've got a lot to discuss today. So our table's filled with almost all of our Locust Hill staff. So I know the excitement is building, right, Tracy? She's ready. <laughs> all right. So I won't spend a lot of time on the introduction, but we're reflecting on chapter four. We're gonna see how our beliefs impact our behavior, how our union impacts communion. And so looking forward to hearing from the staff today as we discuss together. So Jason, you kick off the discussion. Let's talk about what we discovered. So the emphasis of chapter four here begins with expressing uh, the title, Able to Sympathize. And to begin this chapter, Ortland cites the original title page of Thomas Goodwin's book, The Heart of Christ, all the way back from its 1651 publication. And he notes especially the, the prominent difference between Christ in heaven and sinners on earth. And so, Tracy, I'll let you start us off because I know how much you love being a part of this. Um, hey. What point? What point was 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 he trying to make about where Christ is and his ability and desire to sympathize with us? Um, I think sometimes now we have a hard time with Jesus being in heaven of thinking of him understanding circumstances here and the things we live in and the things we go through. Um, like his disciples and other followers got to watch that. They got to mm -hmm. see him beside them, literally going through things with them. And we don't see that. We know it, but we don't see it. Um, and it's just a matter of us. I think he's just reinforcing we need to recognize he still wants to do just like he did then. He's still there. He still feels those things. He feels everything we feel. He goes through it with us. It's just, it's harder for us to grasp that than mm -hmm. he's right here. Yeah. It's like he's not less approachable because right. he's in heaven. He's more approachable, mm -hmm. probably. And so, Michael, you know, we'll kick, kick it over to you with the anchor verse of this chapter that Ortland points out is Hebrews 4.15. And that verse reads, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And Orland says that the burden of this verse is Jesus Christ's sheer solidarity with his people. So how does Christ's 
solidarity impact our uh, discipleship and what does this mean for everyday lives? I think this is one of the key verses that stood out to me in this chapter, but also throughout the book. And really just anchoring our idea about who Jesus is, not based on our feelings, but based on the word. Because our feelings are going to fluctuate. We're going through highs and lows. But to see this promise from his word that we have a high priest who sympathizes with our weakness, walk through temptation as we are. So... You know, we have no problem grasping that Christ is with us when things are going well, when we carve out just the amount of time for our quiet time, when we have an adequate time in prayer. and We mm-hmm. say, I- I'm getting it right. And we think Jesus is close to me right now. But when I miss the mark, when I mess up again on the same things that I failed before, we struggle to, to think that Jesus is close to us then. So um, now I don't think that gives us a free pass on just living however there's correction and discipline that comes from him mm-hmm. but even in his discipline and correction it's love mm-hmm. so i think wrestling with that and you know it, that kind of goes throughout the chapter uh, ray i'd love to hear your thoughts on this he says this he says all of our natural intuitions tell us that jesus is with us on our side present and helping when life is going well this text says the opposite it is in our weakness that Jesus sympathizes with us. So what comfort comes from Jesus being tested in similar ways that we are? What would you say? Well, I, I think the biggest thing as I was reading this is the, the human nature. you got to remember that Jesus was all man. Right. So uh, the human emotions, and I, 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 as soon as I read this, I, I flipped over to John 11, and I'm I was about the story with Lazarus. And then, then uh, verse 35 says, Jesus wept. Right. And then he called him out. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you get the picture of the emotional person, but yet the power of God, because he called him out and yep. he, he held his hand out. And, and, and I kind of contrast him. And I know this is totally different. And God was with Joseph, but when he's in the prison, and he interprets the dream. The winemakers, uh, the cupbearer says, I'll, I'll think about you. Well, he didn't. Right. It took two years. But you get, you get that impression with Jesus. I'm, I'm reaching down. I'm pulling you out of that long, cold grave that you died in sin. And I'm pulling you out. And I'm with you. And I, and I, I, I just rose up. Been there, done that. Been there, done that. I think that's something that our folks that are listening, I know for us around the table, we need that reminder Mm -hmm. all the time that he does reach down into our despair. Well, um, my dad always tells this testimony of this revival that happened um, at a church that he was part of in Pelzer, South Carolina. And um, the verse that was read was John 11, 35. And he said that was the only verse that was read in the whole night. And the pastor got up and said, if Jesus wept for Lazarus, he let, he wept for you. And dad always testifies about an overwhelming like peace and comfort that came over him that just stirred up a revival down there. So that would be cool. Well, Sandra, I'll ask you, Dane Portland writes, the real scandal of Hebrews 4.15 is what we are told about why Jesus is so close and with his people in their pain. What's the reason why Jesus is in such close solidarity with us? When we're struggling. 
He's been through the pain himself. Mm -hmm. He understands um, what the pain feels like. Um, he understands, you know, being disappointed in people. Um, he, he just really understands. Um, and he will go through it with us every step of the way. I think people recognize that when you walk through loss and someone else goes through a loss, you realize I now have a different understanding and compassion for that person because I've been there. It's so hard when you haven't been there. Someone you know, walks through a difficulty and you haven't. You honestly have to say, I don't understand what you're going through, but I'm here. But when you walk through it, that's a different level of empathy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with that same level that you're talking about, Sandra, one of my favorite quotes in the book so far um, is where Ortland says he came as a normal man to normal men. He knows what it is to be thirsty, hungry, despised, rejected, scorned, shamed, embarrassed, abandoned, misunderstood, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Jesus knows all about that. And so, Will, kind of bringing you back into this conversation, is this how we tend to think of Jesus? Do we tend to emphasize his deity and downplay his real humanity? You know, I would say, you know, that's not a way I'd normally think of Jesus just because of all the omni words, omnipresent, omniscient, like he's all powerful, he's all over the place, he's all knowing. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that we really tend to focus on, um, I think, as his deity. However, when I think of God's grace and God's mercy and his love, I cannot divorce Jesus suffering from his victory over death and the grave. Simply put, you know, Christ was tested in every way that we are, just like you mentioned, Sandra, through suffering, pain and trials. And yet he endured it all for the sake of humanity. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what makes the gospel so scandalous. Yeah. Uh, that's it's a hard concept seeing both sides that yeah. humanity and deity and the early church wrestled with this trying yeah. for hundreds of years to capture in words what they were seeing in the word yeah and so yeah i think if anything we lean toward that we talk a lot about his deity mm -hmm. and we don't necessarily talk a lot about the humanity well i think to our high school boys shout out for them um they love the word hypostatic union right. which is fully god fully man mm -hmm. and that's something they're wrestling with right now but they love it so well, I think it's easy. It's difficult to identify with with God's deity. It's easier to identify with His humanity. Yeah, that's because good. we're experiencing that. Yeah. We can't be everywhere at one time. God can, right. but as we recognize He's everywhere at one time, He's with us in our in our times of trouble. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Yeah. So, Katina, this overlaps a little bit with your question. The key to understanding the significance of Hebrews 4.15 is to push equally hard on the two phrases, in every respect and yet without sin. He had no sin. He was holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners. So that enticing temptation, that sore trial, that bewildering perplexity, he's been there. Indeed, his utter purity suggests that he has felt these pains more acutely than we sinners ever could. So when you think about God with us, that name, that name, Emmanuel, how does that name echo in Jesus's solidarity with our weakness? That overlaps a little bit with what Will was talking about. Mm -hmm. Well, you're right. Emmanuel does mean God with us. <clears throat> and in Hebrews 4.15, it says that Jesus was tempted by sin in every 
respect and remained without sin. Jesus has been through everything that we have been or are being going through now. And Jesus was hungry, thirsty, despised, rejected, scorned, shamed, embarrassed, abandoned, felt loneliness, misunderstood, falsely accused, suffocated, betrayed, tortured, killed. When we go through all of these in life, he understands and never leaves us alone. Jesus remained pure through all his temptations. He doesn't just understand our troubles and temptations. He is with us in our troubles. Amen. He totally understands. He is with us always. We are never alone. I think that reminds us he's not a savior that we just worship on Sundays. He's with us every day. So he's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, especially Tuesday, right, Tracy? He's with you. So. I know it's, uh, it's kind of funny. Athletics, I used to say, low, low, I am with you always. You know, that's what Will Beecham was saying when he had to get on a plane to go to Utah. Yeah. Like, I don't know about this. Yeah. <laughs> He says, hello, I'm with you all the way. Why am I getting on this plane? You with me in the trial, Lord. <laughs> Jason, I'll toss it back to you. One of, the, one of the things Orland says is as we sink further into our pain, we sink further into felt isolation. And so, Amanda, to bring you in here, it, it is natural for us to think that anguish and pain are an isolating reality in our life. We experience that all the time. But how does Hebrews 4.15 clarify things for us in dealing with anguish and pain? Yes, yeah, so I would say that when uh, we do feel more alone as life becomes more difficult, um, I think that's just like Ray is saying, I mean, that's just human nature. Um, but Hebrews 4.15 shows us the heart of Christ. Mm. And in those difficulties, Jesus sympathizes with us. And I liked how Dane Ortland put it as Jesus co-suffers with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the quote here really stands out tied in with what you're saying. Our difficulties draw out a depth of feeling in Christ beyond what we know. So again, our difficulty is drawing out more of us getting to know him and just who he is. I think it's important to remember that those difficulties and those weaknesses are a result of sin. Right. So Jason, question is, but what about our sins? Should we be discouraged that Jesus can't be in solidarity with us in the guilt and the shame of our sins? That ties in a little bit earlier in our discussion. It does. And and I think the resounding answer is no. Um, and Orland points out two reasons. One Jesus knows temptation better than we do. Um, C.S. Lewis in, in Mere Christianity says that he knows temptation, yet he never gave in. He never laid down. Rather, he endured all our temptation and testing without ever giving in. That should give us hope right there. But then secondly, the fact that he did that, um, our only hope is that Jesus, who shares in all our pain, shares in it as the pure and holy one. He doesn't need rescuing. He provides the rescuing. 
I love the analogy that Orland uses about being trapped in a hole of sin where Jesus isn't trapped in the hole with us. It's Jesus who can pull us out. His sinlessness is our salvation. And talk about co-suffering, Amanda, that you just referenced. Not only can Jesus pull us out of the hole of sin, but he desires to climb in the hole with us and, and bear our burdens. And that's the beauty of God, fully God, fully man, mm-hmm. where that we get to experience so we don't feel isolated and alone. And we do have that, that solidarity with Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love tying off of that, the closing paragraph of this chapter. If you are in Christ, you have a friend who in your sorrow will never lob down a pep talk from heaven. <laughs> he cannot bear to hold himself at a distance. Nothing can hold him back. His heart is too bound up with yours. So we kind of have this picture of, you got this, you know, from a distance. No, he doesn't just shout, you got this from a distance. Right. Like you pointed out there from page 49, that, that willingness to come down into our burden. He alone desires to climb in and bear our burdens. And and with that, I think, you know, that puts a, that puts a responsibility on us, you know, mm-hmm. because he's not going to lob down a pep talk from heaven. Right. We don't need to be lobbing up prayers to him either in such a way oh well let me just toss this one up to God and let him take care of it right and, yeah and you know I think it's cool when he talks about going down into the hole he comes out of the hole with us because the thing about it is is that hole um, without Christ in it is hopeless like we're stuck in that hole forever and yet when it says that he bears our burdens on his shoulders it just reminded me of I don't know of Christ being in the hole with us and then us getting on his shoulders and having a way to get out you know and, and, and meeting that salvation there I think I'd say to all of our folks that listen and for us as well, when it's saying he's able to bear with us as we're going through weakness and trials, the reality is we are going to have weaknesses and trials because there are those that would pitch Christianity as this fix all that nothing but blessings are going to come your way now. And that's a false gospel. It's not the reality. We still live in a fallen world, but we have hope. We have hope that Christ walks with us. So there is coming a day, but this is the the already and not yet, as it's often said. So I'm already, you know, I had my union with Christ. The not yet is that all of this fallen world has been redeemed. So we're still walking through a fallen world. And we walk through this as a church family, walking with folks that are dealing with a difficult diagnosis, loss of a loved one. And we're going to see pain like that. But that promise, he is with us. He walks with us. Such an encouraging word. Great words here. We're going to just look at who Jesus is and allow him to set the terms. That's the focus of the book. That when we come to the word and allow him to describe who he is, he says, I'm gentle and lowly. And so that's really where we'll focus next time as we talk about he can deal gently. Looking at Hebrews 5, he can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward. Appreciate all of our folks that are listening as we walk through gentle and lowly together. It's great to be able to start out our day together just reflecting on the Word. We pray that we're helping you to be equipped to walk more faithfully with Jesus today. Thank you for joining us.